0: It can be found on page 1135 in your church Bibles. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. It's who dies, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Yes. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we, will fe- we face death all day long.
1: Thanks, Sarah. Hello, everybody. Morning. It's nice to see you all. Let's pray. Lord, grant us the grace to desire you, and in desiring to seek your face, mm-hmm. and that in seeking we will find you and love you with our whole heart. Yeah. And as we seek you, help us to be mindful of the fact that you are seeking us so much more. Now, in the early summer of 1994, I went to Uganda and I went there to work at an orphanage, an orphanage uh, made up of children mostly affected uh, by AIDS in their families. And it was at that time that those terrible events were unfolding in Rwanda. Whilst there, I remember standing on the shore of Lake Victoria, looking across the lake and praying, for the people of Rwanda on the other side of that lake. The film Shooting Dogs, you may have seen it some years ago, depicts some of the events surrounding the 1994 genocide in Rwanda. In just 100 days, a million, a million Rwandan Tutsis were massacred by their fellow Hutu countrymen, and a small African country was turned into a bloodbath. The barbarity was beyond imagination but it was not beyond prevention and the UN were there, you may remember having seen this on the news, they were there, they were watching but they were not acting and in the end the UN actually withdrew. At the heart of the trouble in Rwanda, a British priest, Father Christopher and his young acolyte, they are forced to confront the depths of their faith, the limits of their courage, and then ultimately to make a choice, a choice to stand with their brothers and sisters in their suffering or to run away. Now we're going to watch a film clip from Shooting Dogs and it's the, it's the point where the, the last of the UN troops are, are moving out and the, this choice that Father Christopher and Joe, his acolyte, Uh, are having to make it comes to a head and they make it at this point good job uh, actually Kate's not in she's with the children because she she turns into a blubbering wreck every every time she watches this film might be a bit off-putting but anyway I'm going to turn the lights off and then we're going to watch this clip Where is God in everything that's happening here? Asked Father Christopher. And all this suffering. Well, I know exactly where he is. He's right here with these people. He's suffering. His love is here. If God is for us, who can be against us? Asked the great missionary Paul. Do you feel like God is for you at the moment? Maybe you're asking, where is God? in all this. I wonder, in what situations would you like to know that God is for you? Who or what are you up against at the moment? Pressure in relationships, pressure at work, in your finances, in your family, in your marriage, as a parent, or pressure concerning your health? and further afield in our wider society across the world? Who needs to know that God is for them at the moment? On Remembrance Sunday, it's especially appropriate that we're aware of the consequences and the pain caused by conflict and war, and aware too of the cost that people laid down their lives to try to make peace. Refugees, are displaced by war, they're up against it. Nations are up against it. Charities are up against it. Organisations, they're up against it too. And as a church, how are we up against it at the moment? I'd like to take a few minutes just to look at this. Not because the pain and the difficulty of that is as intense or as difficult. As those being faced uh, in issues of people across the world, but they're still real, nevertheless. And it was at this point that, in the first service at nine o'clock, that the whole of my screen went blank on (laughs) my iPad. (laughs) I thought all my notes had disappeared. Unfortunately, I just scrolled down and they appeared again. But it's not done it this time. Four years ago we decided on a church mission statement, a strap line, a few words, well, more than a few words, it was five words, in fact, that sum up the vision of what God is calling us towards. And it's these words, loving God, living his adventure. Now, as Christians, loving God, if you hadn't noticed, doesn't come without opposition or difficulty. Living his adventure, it can take us through green sweeping valleys, With the sun on our backs but it can also take us up rocky treacherous mountains that are hard to climb and hard to cope with and it's difficult stuff the adventure of our particular vision is one that's leading us towards being a church that's focused on mission in every way a church for today's world the kind of church none of us has been part of before it's a new experience for everyone moving from a familiar way of being church to something that's new, becoming a church where we're engaged with and serving the people of the context in which this building sits and we see lots of things happening to help make that possible. A church where we look to grow as disciples who make disciples and not just a church where we grow as disciples on our own. A church that encourages all to serve God in every bit of life, every corner of life, so that we're living for Jesus every moment of every day. And a church where we're all involved, serving God in and through the church, so that we're less dependent on people like me. Ministry staff, professional Christians. A church that looks to share the love and gospel of Jesus with those who have no connection with church at all and a church that deals with issues that uh, the church globally and locally are facing instead of smoothing things over. I've said many times that this is a hard and disorientating process. We're not what we once were, and we're not yet what we will be through God's transforming work. Imagine Christchurch is a ship on the ocean, and we left the safety of the harbor the shore and now we've lost sight of that. It's, it's long gone. We've left that familiar place behind and we haven't yet reached our new destination. We not, might not even be able to see it ahead and at the moment we can feel all at sea. I can't begin to tell you how heavily I carry the pain of this transition in my heart and in my life and in my work because I love you all and I care for you and I'm grateful to so many of you for the ways in which you've been so faithful throughout it all. And I want to encourage us though to ask for God's perspective on the change and not just to view things through a lens of of how things used to be, all that familiar. So that we're looking at things, uh, it used to be done like this or it ought to be done like this and, and then that's, that's our measure if you like. But this will require a huge amount of love and patience and understanding from us all. To help us, it's important to note I think that the transition from that familiar way of being church to a, a mission focused church, focused on those who are not yet members of the church or Christians, is part of a move of the Holy Spirit across the world. I've read about it many, many times. I've studied it. I've talked about it with other church leaders and I saw it clearly in the U.S. When I, Steve and I were in the U.S., where Steve there he is, uh, over in, uh, back in uh, June, we visited a church called Northland Village Church. I think Steve might have shown you a picture of it some time ago. It's a hospitable, inclusive, evangelical church in the suburbs of LA. And we met with uh, church leader Mark Warners, and we met with him in his office, which happens to be the pub across the road from the, from the church building. It's a great pub, it's a beautifully cold beer, and, and Steve and I had to offer uh, accept the offer of the hospitality of of the beers Uh, it was a very hot day what struck me was the way in which members of that church community live out their faith as disciples of Christ like like we're trying to do at the Sunday service we sat with two guys who were are actors And they'd sacrificed any chance of stardom or success in the world's eyes to run drama and theatre classes for disadvantaged children in a very deprived area of that community. This was their work. This was what paid the bills for them, if you like. But it was also an expression of church, of that church's ministry, in their community. Other church members volunteered at a local high school. And apparently at every service, and we witnessed this happen, members share their news of how they had been or were about to serve God in the week ahead in their neighborhood and how other church members could support them. And everybody had the opportunity to do that if they needed to or wanted to. It was incredible. But all of this ministry and work for them wasn't without opposition or struggle Some people had left the church because they preferred another way of being church. Some in the community objected to this Christian activity and were really opposed. And one or two other church leaders of nearby churches found it difficult and unfortunately hindered what was going on. So change in church can make us feel up against it too, under pressure. But a journey of development is not without its difficulties and challenges. We ought to remember this when we're trying to find a glimmer of hope concerning the England rugby team, for example. Back in 2003, the England rugby team uh, won the World Cup. We triumphed. But of course, sometime before that, we were in a similar position as the England team is now and went through a terrible time and hit rock bottom. And it was that difficulty, that struggle, that enabled the growth. And in the light of this last World Cup, we need to hold on to that thought so that uh, the England team can rise from the ashes, if you like, and transition and develop and grow through these challenges. It's a good reminder for us that effective change comes at a cost and it comes through growth and difficulties. And so for a time in our church or in our own lives, things may feel uncertain, chaotic, confusing, challenging, painful. Some may even leave because this adventure is not for them. Like I say, we can feel all at sea, and that's okay. It's perfectly understandable. I struggle with all this too, but I know and trust that God is leading us on his adventure so that we can keep moving towards his vision. And of course others though may feel that they're relishing this adventure that God's leading us on and they feel just totally excited by it and that's okay too, we're all different. And so then as we see in our personal lives, in issues that people are facing across the world and in our church and in every church, we can be under pressure, we can be up against it in numerous ways. It can leave us wondering where is God in all this Well, it's Paul's lyrical words that communicate to us a message of hope. In the previous section to the one that we heard Sarah read for us this morning, Paul highlights the pain and the groaning and the weaknesses that are associated with life's difficulties and suffering. And he tells the Roman church and us too today that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And then Paul puts to us this amazing rhetorical question. If God is for us, who can be against us? But how do we know this? Why is this even true? Well, Paul goes on to spell it out in verse 32. Because God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Jesus sacrificed his life for us. Surely, says Paul, this is the guarantee that he loves us enough to graciously meet every need we have. And Paul borrows the words that are used by God when Abraham proved his loyalty by doing what God requested of him, being willing to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. And God said, Abraham, You've not withheld from me your son, your only son. You can read about that in Genesis chapter 22. But of course, what Abraham was asked to do, God did. He gave his only son. And so Paul is saying, in effect, think of the greatest example of loyalty. It's appropriate that we do that on Remembrance Sunday. God's loyalty is like that. He gave his life for you. In the light of this, William Barclay concluded that surely we can therefore trust a loyalty like that for anything. Looking closely though, God for us doesn't simply boil down to him cheering us, cheering us on from you know, whilst he's sitting on a cloud somewhere or zapping a few spiritual nasties from the safety of heaven. Being for us means that he is with us, just like the film clip reminded us. That's what God giving his life for us means in part, suffering for us, suffering with us. So when trouble, difficulty or hardship come, God is there for us. I love this image of a cross that just appeared in the rubble. It's the rubble of the Twin Towers after the attacks on 9-11. It's an amazing reminder. Where is God in all this? Well, he's right here. He's right here. He's with us. He's suffering with us. His love is here. when we wonder where God is in all our suffering, in our struggles, in our difficulties. He's here. He's right here. His love is here. But I think there's still more treasure to be found in Paul's words. God being for us also means that God is on our side. In Jesus, God came to us and he lived with us. He walked by our side, he stood by our side. And then he poured out his love for us. He died. But then he rose from the dead. And he claimed us as his friends forever. Enemies we may have. And they may seek our ruin. But with God on our side, we do not need to fear them. They may cause us to suffer a great deal. But they cannot take us away from Jesus. And they cannot take Jesus away from us. And so to finish... How will God being for us help us today and in the days ahead in our personal lives, in the issues that we're facing across the world and as a church? Will it make a difference? Will it reassure comfort, give strength? Will it inspire us all to pray with confidence for those in need for our church and for our own needs? Remember God hasn't left us on our own. He hasn't deserted us God is for us, and he's with us. And if he's for us, who can be against us? In the midst of all these questions, struggles, pressure, and hardship that we're facing individually, collectively, across the globe, and in our church, will you join with me in declaring these powerful words of Scripture together? You'll need a Bible. They will appear on the screen but you would need a Bible because I'd like us all to turn, if possible, to face the cross at the heart of us as a reminder that God is right here. He's suffering with us. He's for us. And we're going to read Romans chapter 8 verses 37 to 39 and it's on page 1135. Don't worry if you'd rather just sit and, and just hear other people do that. That's totally fine. But if you'd like to do this, that would be great. So it begins with the word, no. Okay, are you ready? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Like to sit down. I'm going to sing uh, a song now. It's my favorite song. Um, if I was to, to write a song, I'd like to. Well, obviously, I write songs, but if it was my favorite song, I wish I'd write, written this one. It's an absolutely fantastic song. And it comes to a chorus. It's a repeated chorus, and the words are on the screen. You can either listen to this, or if you'd like to drown out my voice, you can just sing the chorus. Uh, with me, and that would be brilliant if we could sing it together, because the words are so, so powerful.
2: A sign shall be given, a virgin will conceive, a human baby bearing undiminished Deity, a glory of the nations, a light for all to see, and hope for all who will embrace His warm reality. Together, Emmanuel. God is with us in manual. For all those who live in the shadow of death, a glorious light has dawned. Emmanuel Or will you hear the call of him who did not spare his son but gave him for us all on earth there is no power there is no depth or height that could ever separate us From the love of God in Christ together, Emmanuel. Our God is with us, and if God is with us, who could stand against us? Our God is. Amen.